the copperhead snake. It hisses before attacking. But that's not a copperhead. That's the Sullivan's RV freshwater tank overflowing into their black one, which is backing into their vent pipe, making for a very different kind of attack. One that arrives just in time for taco night. It's wild out there. When it gets too wild, Progressive has your RV covered. Quote today at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. The Starlight Lounge presents An Evening with the Progressive Box. Adios, old friend. Yeah, I've got no secrets and no regrets. Well, a lot of regrets, but the point is I've got nothing to hide. Kind of like the way Progressive shows you their competitors' rates. You gotta put it all out there, baby. Excuse me, miss. Does this heart belong to you? Would you like it anyway? Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Comparisons not available in all states or situations. Prices vary based on how you buy. The commitment that this guy has shown. Let me shut up. James off the steal. That's a way to get your first bucket, Mark. <laughs> the steal and the finish. James Worthy, Statue of Liberty, done. There's James to the bucket Allow me to introduce myself. to the Lakers Legacy Podcast, the official start of the hashtag LA Braun era, and what a start it was. And although it inevitably ended up in disappointment with a loss in Portland again for the 16th time in a row, you could at least feel the shift in the atmosphere as we now are reminded what it feels like again to watch meaningful basketball and uh, have our balls clenched at every moment and turn. Every game matters once again. We've got a LeBron James, and the young guys are going to fight through these growing pains. So one down, but Jalen Rose to go, as Joel Embiid would say. So that's 81 more games to go, 81 more games to grow. Fellas, how you guys feeling? So let's start with the good stuff first. Um, I know we're a mixed bag of emotions right now. Tonight's episode is obviously going to be one of those raw, live, unplugged, instant reactions. I don't think we've even had time to collect our thoughts. But, Alan, I know you're in the midst of all this uh, Dodger craziness as well. But uh, (laughs) shifting to the Lakers and just seeing LeBron James with his, uh, you know, that first dunk and then that second dunk. How are you feeling right now? Um, I mean, overall, good. You know, it, it is on the road. It is freaking Portland. It was an exciting game, you know, no matter who you're who you're rooting for. So objectively speaking, it was uh, very entertaining, without a doubt. Plenty of highlight plays, I mean. Um, but at the same time, like you said, it's a mixed bag for sure. And it's one of those things where, and I, like, I saw Pete tweet this, so I'm not going to, like, just say it because some people are going to be like, oh, I remember Pete said that. But I think we all thought it. It's like Portland's a playoff team, right? We're on the road, and it's various points we were tied we're down a little up a little and we're all probably a little bit pissed off and that is not um something that any of us has really experienced in the last few years so that alone if you take a couple steps back and you just look at uh the situation we're in it's it's a good place to be for sure the loss sucks for sure and we'll get into the specifics later but overall right now i mean i'm excited yeah that's that's for damn sure uh this is one of the best i mean we're reminded of the frustration it feels to not only lose, but know that it matters in the grand scheme of things. Um, because now we're trying to make the playoffs and it, our record hinges on this loss and our playoff implications hinge on this loss, especially because we're also fighting a team like Portland. But having said that, I am still very much excited. What a fun game to watch. Tommy, how are you feeling right now? I know you were lit the entire day leading up to the game. What happened when you saw that? LeBron get that steal and then hammer it down for that thunderous tomahawk dunk. 
It was insane, dude. Um, I don't <laughs> recall like watching. You know, we've Did seen. Black I blacked out temporarily. Yes. <laughs> uh, we've seen, like, a lot of good players come to the Lakers over the years. And, um, you know, like, even Kobe, when he got hurt and came, it felt like he was coming back to the team, right? So, like, it, it just feels like we've had a lot of, like, really awesome game one type moments. But LeBron hammering that first dunk and then coming right back down on the next possession and hammering another one was just, like... Way too lit, dude. It was <laughs> it was just like it was uh, really awesome and and really cool to watch. And uh, yeah, overall, it was just a weird game. I mean, this is why from the beginning I was just so bummed out that we were going to start the season playing against uh, playing at Portland because we've historically we struggle against Portland um, even when we were good or good better than we are now against Portland. It was only at home. Like, we never beat Portland in the Rose Garden, even when we had, like, Shaq and Kobe and, like, all that. Um, So it's just, like, a tough game. I don't know how much you could take away from it. Um, We actually held them to 44% shooting, which is, like, not horrendous considering they scored 128. It's just, you know, we have some issues uh, rebounding that we need to clean up. And, uh... Nick Stauskas, who is, like, not that good, dropped 24 on us off the bench, and Portland's bench is, like, not supposed to be very good. Like, that's part of the reason why they might not make the playoffs this year, because their bench is, like, full of, like, kind of random guys or guys who are kind of inconsistent. So, 24 points off the bench, it's like, if somebody's going to go do that to you, it's, it's hard to recover from something like that. Yeah, we turned Sauce Castillo into Boss Castillo and got Nick rolled tonight. Um, the Lakers lost one. Ayo. <laughs> Ayo. The Lakers <laughs> lost one nineteen to one twenty eight to the Portland Trailblazers. Tommy, what are the stats again in terms of how potent the Blazers are at home, especially in home openers, and then also just the losing streak that the Lakers? I think I mentioned it earlier, but yeah. So the Blazers. I, somebody tweeted this today. I can't remember. They've won eighteen straight home openers. <laughs> um, uh, we have lost after this game 16 consecutive games against Portland. Um, and I'm sure if you look at our like road record against Portland, I feel like we've won one game in the last six or seven years on the road against Portland. Yeah. Um, which is just insane, but I, we just never can win there. And then another thing at go at play here was LeBron has never won uh, game one of a season with a, with a new team. <laughs> um, from when he was drafted to when he went to Miami to when he went back to Cleveland and now here he's never won a game one. That's insane. Um, yeah, which is just insane. And uh, so there were all those things at play here and we lost by nine. I don't know. I, you know, I, there were some things that weren't super encouraging, but when you think about all those things, maybe a little bit more encouraging. Mm, yeah, for sure. Um, okay. Well, where do, where do we want to start here? I feel like my emotions right now kind of resemble how the Lakers played. It's like emotional spikes up and down, up and down, up and down. Uh, there's no real median. I can't get to a neutral place right now. So, Alan, let's. I guess we can we can start general and just say, why don't we start with the bad and go with the good? So, Alan, for you, what did you think the Lakers struggled with the most in this game? Tommy mentioned it uh, just now in terms of the defensive rebounding, um, but... I think there was more to the story than that, obviously, with the Lakers playing small ball and relying a lot on JaVale McGee. But if you want to start us off and and pinpoint just some areas of weakness that the Lakers showed tonight that they need to shore up. Uh, Definitely defense. You know, I mean, that's pretty obvious. I mean, Tommy said, you know, they only shot 44%. um, But that first half, man, like, we obviously started off the game. First six or seven minutes was good. And then we started bringing in guys off the bench, and uh, the second unit definitely struggled, and they they just looked lost out there for sure. And I mean, it is you know the first few minutes of the season; it's a lot of guys kind of in a different role, especially you know like Lonzo. You could tell um, he's he has to shake off a lot of rust, and uh, he he seemed pretty passive just in general on the floor. Mm-hmm. Kind of disappeared. He had a couple of nice like individual moments defensively where he does that thing where he helps off ball and he just uses his speed and his length and uh, you know feistiness, which is cool. But um, the cohesion just really wasn't there. Um, 
for like long spurts in the first half. Um, so yeah, I, I would say defensively, just communication. You know, it's it's gonna be something that definitely takes some time. And what I just had to keep telling myself was, it's literally the first quarter of the first game, and getting like really pissed off at various moments is pretty unreasonable. Um, but it's because we're just so excited, you know. Like w- when your expectations go up in a general sense, of course you're gonna have higher standards. Uh, a year ago, if these things happened, like we'd throw up our hands in the air and be like, oh man, like that's frustrating. That's annoying. However, our expectations are so low because the team not going to do anything. So I think just maintaining perspective as the first week of the season, second week, first month, second month, you know, goes on. Um, being mindful can help to keep us all sane, maybe a, a little bit. But uh, we're all very emotional people and we're not going to be able to help but get kind of heated at times so as you said you know I found myself standing up sitting on the edge of my seat smiling and then I found myself completely slumped over (laughs) in my chair like feet kicked up frowning arms crossing my chest like super pissed you know um so it was it was up and down for sure but defense is gonna need some work I think it was interesting like Beasley came in the game pretty early on. I don't remember exactly what like the timestamp was, but you know, he played 2 minutes. Um and then like you know, Rondo, I mean, for the most part he played pretty darn well. Um down the stretch the whole team was kind of frazzled, but you know, he played 32 minutes. Lonzo played 19. Um that's obviously going to shift over time. Um Brandon like in the first half just seemed like kind of lost as well I guess and I'm not sure if one of those uh, TNT audio assist things captured LeBron talking to Brandon on the bench I'm pretty sure it was Brandon and he was like hey you got to take that mid-range jumper that's your shot right there and then second half what do you know like to start the third quarter Brandon was hot and all of his shots were in the mid-range and LeBron was the one feeding him for a lot of those uh a lot of those attempts so yeah just guys finding their roles and things like that and uh yeah, I think the keyword's perspective. Yeah, for sure. I think along the same lines and digging deeper into the defense, you know, I mentioned it before in the preseason and then it kind of came into play tonight. You know, Nurkic is a big dude, but the rest of the Blazers team, they have lanky guys, right? But they're they're not necessarily like bruisers of the Marc Gasol, Joel Embiid type. Outside of Nurkic, you know, it was Zach Collins, who's who's a little slight, Mo Harkless, Aminu, etc. But it felt like the Lakers were still scrambling to help down low. And because of that, it left the three-point line just wide open. And I think just the overcompensating and trying to help the man who is getting posted up gets the Lakers in a frantic sort of chickens-with-their-heads-cut-off mode on defense where... All the, all the guy needs to do is pitch it out and guys are open on the perimeter. And then on top of that, even if we do a good job of stopping the guy on that first attempt, obviously offensive rebounds come into play and most like it, it's half and half us trying to gain position and, and guys trying to like, you know, be attentive to, to get rebounds, but also... On the other end, guys are trying to leak out. They have that in their mindset at the forefront of their heads to leak out, leak out. And it just feels like we're a little disconnected and discombobulated um, on that end. Just knowing that we don't have a guy who can like hold his own down there. So I think I saw a lot of that on defense. And even and obviously we look a lot better with JaVale McGee. He was blocking shots like all hell. Um, but you can you saw when JaVale McGee gets tired. He doesn't move his feet. And his strategy is almost, I don't, think it's a, I don't think it's intentional, but it's all he can do when he's like super gassed, is to just let his man run by him and then he baits them into like taking a layup and he just hopes that his long arms will get the block. And sometimes even if he gets the block, unfortunately our guys didn't box out well tonight and wouldn't get the offensive rebound and then that left us scrambled still again when the Portland Trailblazers got the offensive rebound. So, I don't know, I, I think... I think that's what I was most concerned about defensively. Just, again, with the small ball, overcompensating, trying to focus in on helping the man who's getting beat down low, and just everybody being so attentive, trying to get the rebound, but not being able to do so in a secure manner. 
um, I think just kind of left us continually scrambled. Uh, Tommy, what did you think on, on that end? Uh, yeah, no, I, I agree. On on defense, there were stretches where you, you could see what we're trying to do here and uh, what I think ultimately will is the well, is ultimately the goal. I don't know if we'll actually make it to this point, but um, when these guys lock in, like Josh Hart is a really dang good team defender. Lonzo Ball, Rondo, whoever's playing, both really good uh, team defenders. LeBron can be a good team defender when he wants to be. And then you have like JaVale and you have obviously Ingram. We have a lot of guys who should be good defensively. Um, you can make the argument that, okay, well, we have no size in the second unit, but that shouldn't have been an issue tonight. Um, Kyle Kuzma was matched up against Zach Collins, who is pretty big. I mean, he's bigger than Kuzma yeah. by like two or three inches. Um, but he's not like a low post, like, uh, Nikola Jokic, who's going to run you over in the paint, you know? So we have to be able to contend with at least that caliber of guy, if this is going to work, if we can't even contend with that caliber of guy, then we're just going to have to play Zubats or go try to find another center as soon as possible. Um, so yeah, defense, I think I, I, I liked what I saw in some bursts, um, but that's definitely going to have to be cleaned up. And, uh, and I think it will be, um, it's game one of the season. There's always all, this is another reason it's like, as much as I want to be annoyed and frustrated, it's always, easy to forget that a game one of the season there's so many fluky type things that happen you know like tim hardaway jr scored 31 points in 29 minutes the other day like not to say he's not good but he's probably not that good most nights right so sometimes things just happen in, in game one of the season and maybe it's hard to glean too much from it yeah and, and like we mentioned nick stauskas 27 minutes Seven for 11, 24 points, five of eight from three. And for whatever reason, the Lakers just kept going under screens with Nick Stauskas, not taking him seriously. And he kind of helped tide the Blazers over while CJ McCollum and Damian Lillard were struggling with their shot. And by the time the fourth quarter rolled around, well, it was Dame time, Lillard time. And he was hitting his clutch threes, hitting these pull-up mid-range jump shots. CJ McCollum was on fire in the fourth. Um, and... Nick Stauskas helped stem that tide and who knows what would have happened if he wasn't there to hit those shots and the Lakers took him a little more seriously and were regarding the perimeter with a little more vi vigilance. Um, but, you know, we did see that stretch when the Lakers came back in the first half where they were frenetic and they were all over the place defensively and mainly Brandon Ingram, right? Um, dude, tonight his arms were just harassing everybody. He was like Dude, an that octopus. That you posted of the octopus was yeah. too good. <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> I, I saw that. He was just like, it, it was crazy how many guys he was affecting. Um, I, I don't think I've ever seen Brandon Ingram use his length that smartly before. You know, it kind of felt like he finally, like his, uh, his head knowledge <laughs> finally locked in with his like limbs and they were in sync with each other, you know, where it's not just mindless flailing with all, with his long ass arms and stuff. And there was actually purpose to it. And he was, he kept getting steals, disrupting passing lanes. That led to fast breaks for the Lakers. Um, it was, it was such a beautiful sight to watch. Alan, what did you think of Brandon Ingram's defense? Yeah. I mean, you pretty much said it, dude. It's like he uh, like came into his own in that sense or, um, he his he's realizing what his defensive potential is. Like his brain actually understands what he's capable of doing, and um, I mean, shoot for one game like that's extremely impressive, and um, it'll definitely bail us out, you know, of a lot of uh, situations, and eventually, um, when we do a lot more switching on defense, because we didn't do quite as much tonight as I think we did, you know, last year, um. It'll, it'll be really cool to see him utilizing that that physical tool of his. Yeah, and then I also liked, um, eventually, Josh Hart, Lonzo Ball, Cal Kuzma. Everybody kind of got into the fray there. Dude, Slapping the, the balls. The Young Kings lineup with Oof. the King lineup. That was That was that awesome. Was sick, you guys that saw really my cool gift, right? My Rufio and Peter Pan gift with the Lost Boys. <laughs> yeah. um, Bangarang, everybody. No, I mean, that was our death lineup, right? I think they were about plus six or so during that end of third quarter, early fourth quarter stretch. I forgot exactly when they were in there, but that lineup with LeBron, LeBron and Young Core, Josh Hart, Cal Kuzma, Brandon Ingram, and Lonzo Ball. For that short 
five or six minute stretch or so, they really found their mojo, and it was so dynamic to watch. Um, wreaking havoc. They were wreaking havoc on the defensive end. They were running. Everybody seemed confident. It, it was just, a, I think, something to to frame and put up on on our wall as we wait out these like uh, growing pain moments for the Lakers. Um, but Tommy, yeah, outside of defensively, okay, let's talk about offensively. What were some weaknesses that that we saw? Um, I guess I'll start start us off by pointing out the obvious um, three point shooting. So overall, I think we actually got some pretty good looks, and and Brandon Ingram especially, I think, got some really good looks. He ended up. 0 for 4, but all four of those shots were, three of them were on the baseline wide open, um, and they just didn't go in, you know? Cal Kuzma was 1 for 7. The only guy who could really hit a lick of anything was Josh Hart, um, and Josh Hart looked as poised as anyone we've ever seen on the court out there. He looked like Villanova Josh Hart, which was like really cool Like Summer League Josh Hart, yeah. Yeah, no, for sure. Um, but yeah, the three-point shooting was sorely lacking, 7 for 30. 23%. We were 48% from the field overall, which tells you how well we shot in the paint. But, I mean, so this is the problem with not being a good three-point shooter and then facing off against a team like Portland, who's a lethal three-point shooter, right? Um, with how fast we play, we're going to ebb and flow and be able to get back in a game really quickly, right? But unfortunately, that goes the other way around because if we can't hit threes and the other team is a deadly three-point shooter, we can get down really quickly by a lot as well in bunches. And it's a lot harder when we're not hitting our threes. Um, luckily, Josh Hart and Kyle Kuzma started hitting their threes in the fourth quarter there, which allowed us to you know, um, diminish the lead a little bit. But it felt like a struggle the entire game other than that stretch. Um, not being able to hit our outside shots, and when we were hitting, when we were shooting those outside shots, it felt like forced a little. You know, I mentioned it before in preseason, but the Lakers need more sets to get wide open threes or be more assertive and intentional taking that in the first half because we are not a good enough three point shooting team to all of a sudden in the second half decide, oh, I think it's time to shoot a three now. I think I'll take this three, you know, and try and gain a rhythm. I think we're a team that needs to start taking those attempts earlier on, you know, so we can at least get a flow of what that feels like. So by the time, you know, the second half starts, we were at least in somewhat of a rhythm, uh, even just attempting those three-point shots, if that makes sense. And we actually shot more threes than, you know, the Portland Trailblazers, but it just didn't feel like we had purpose to our three-point shot attempts, if that makes sense. So, yeah, Tommy, do you have anything else to say about the three-point shooting? And then if you wanted to give like an offensive flaw or weakness um, on your end, go ahead and do so. Hey, this is Brian from the Almighty Baller Podcast Network, here to talk about keeps. So there's just no two ways to say it. Losing hair is awful. Nobody wants to go through it. And two out of three guys are going to experience hair loss by the time they're 35. This is the world we live in, people. Now, I personally haven't started this, you know, downturn, but I got a couple of people close to my life that go through it, and they always say, should have started it sooner rather than later. So anyways, these FDA-approved products used to cost so much, but now, thanks to Keeps, they're finally inexpensive and easy to get. For five minutes, now and starting just $10 per month, you'll never have to worry about hair loss again. So they've ironed out the process. Basically, you just take a photo of your hair, and you shoot it over, and a licensed physician will review the information, and recommend the right treatment to you, and then, boom, shipped right to your door every three months. So Keeps is only $10 to $35 a month, uh, plus now you can get your first month free uh, to, to what? To keep your hair. So come on, what are we talking about here? To receive your first month of treatment for free, go to keeps.com slash almighty. That's K-E-E-P-S dot com slash almighty. That's a free month of treatment at keeps.com slash almighty. Keeps hair today, hair tomorrow. Yeah, so on three-point shooting, I think it's like we're not as bad as we shot tonight. We're not going to be a top 10 or probably even a top 15 three-point shooting team in the in the league. I think probably at best we can, you know, we'll probably be 20 to 25 at best. Um, but we are also not a 23% shooting three-point team. Um, we missed some open shots, you know, game one of the season. It's like you said, like, part of the reason we shot so poorly is because it doesn't really feel like we have a lot of plays implemented say, how yet. Many, 
how many half court sets did we actually run? That's a, yeah, it doesn't feel like we have a lot of plays implemented yet for like designed for the purpose of getting threes. Um, it seems like in the fourth quarter when we were trying to make those scramble runs at the end, they were calling plays for threes and like getting finding Josh Hart and stuff. But um, mm. I think beginning of the season, the reason I'm not too freaked out about it, number one, like I said, we're, we're not actually this bad. And number two, I think it, we're just trying to set habits. Um, as the year goes on, inevitably we'll get better at threes, um, at finding high percentage ones and at hitting them, just like we did last year over the course of the year. And so that stuff will come, but it's important right now to set habits of getting into the paint, being relentless in transition. We scored 34 points on the fast break. Mm. Um, we were second in the NBA, 17 and a half points per game in transition last year and first game of the season, 34. <laughs> so that's like, you know, 70 points we scored in the paint or something like absurd like that. And I think we average, we, I think we were number one or two in the NBA in that last year too, at like 50 something. And we scored like 70 in the first game this year. So it's, you know, setting those habits, I think is in, in uh, priorities is important now. Um, Another thing I'd like to see change offensively, though, is I think we need to stagger LeBron and Rondo a yeah. lot more. Um, Lonzo makes sense as a starter for like so many reasons. He doesn't. It's not that Rondo needs the ball to be effective. Um, we've seen that like his usage can be really low. He's like, you know, honestly, tonight he had 11 assists and. I didn't even realize it until I saw the box score because it did not feel like he was holding the ball that much, mm -hmm. you know? Um, so that's not, I'm not going to like, I'm not saying that that's the issue. I just think that he is, why would you waste it? You know what I mean? You have two guys who are elite at running your offense and why would you waste it in a way by having them both out there at the same time? At times they should overlap, of course, but like, I think it just makes so much more sense for Lonzo to come uh, to start, he's like a little bit more, I don't know, athletic than Rondo at this stage in their careers. He's a little more spry and can get the energy of the first unit going. And then you have LeBron out there and Ingram out there who can take control of the offense. And then you need Rondo off the bench to like organize the rest of the dudes. Cause off the bench we're you know, we're playing Lance Stevenson, who's maybe not used to playing this style. We're playing Kuzma, you know, who's a second-year player, um, Josh Hart, who's a second-year player. So I think having somebody like Rondo out there with, the, with that group could make all those guys uh, look a little bit better. I also think that Lonzo right now with that second unit, especially as they're slowly working him back, is right now not assertive enough to really round that group together because I feel like if Rondo was on that unit, Rondo, if nothing's happening which is what happened most of the time in the half court with that unit, he would find a way to make something happen or direct guys to go where they needed to go. Um, right now with Lonzo, he has the ball and you know he's still working the kinks out in terms of you know breaking his man off or, or trying to initiate plays off his own dribble. And right now that's, he can't do that yet. You know? Rondo can. He does that Steve Nash circling the paint thing where he puts pressure on the D no matter what, you know? Right now, Lonzo doesn't have that in his arsenal yet, and I'm sure he'll learn it from Rondo, how to effectively like patrol the paint until he finds something or finds... Or probing, right? Yeah, probing, right? So yeah. that's why I feel Rondo would fit that unit so well. And um, on the topic of staggering, something that I thought about as I was watching our guys just run up and down, up and down, just using up all of their energy... Um, I think Luke should stagger the lineups more just in general and in, more in bursts if he wants to play this fast, you know, just to preserve guys' energy. I know these these guys are young, but I, I feel like playing this fast and ha not only playing this fast, but having to play up a size when most of the time you're trying to hold your position against bigger dudes, um, you're trying to fight and scramble for rebounds. Here's the other thing. Doesn't it feel like every rebound, most of the rebounds that we got tonight, we really had to fight for it? 
there are a lot of rebounds where I was like, oh, what a nice rebound. And, you know, usually that's because you're you're not expecting right. your guy to get well, the ball. Yeah, but every other rebound, it felt like we were strangling it out of people's arms, you know? Like we really had to mm, like fight wrestling for it. it away. Wrestling it away. And that takes so much energy. And, and so couple of that with how fast we're playing, that's going to have a, an effect on your jump shot, you know, your three-point shot. And we're not an elite three-point shooting we just, team. Yeah, we just lack so much size. <laughs> there isn't a guy that could just swallow up boards, really, besides JaVale. You know? And I guess LeBron, just because of brute strength. Yeah, so if you don't think that has an effect on Kyle Kuzma, I don't know what, what to tell you, you know? Um, he's, he's typically our best shooter, but he was one for seven tonight. If anybody's played basketball before, you know your shot, as, as fatigue begins to wear in, just gets wonkier and wonkier. And right now, given the fact that we don't even have intentional plays set up to get good looks for threes, and our guys are still working themselves into becoming legit three-point shooters in the NBA, more consistent three-point shooters, it would behoove Luke, I think, to swap them in and out a little faster, you know, in bursts, so that we can maintain that speed can maintain that tempo and can maintain that energy to continue to get those rebounds, slap those balls, dive for loose balls, dive on the floor, et cetera, et cetera. So I think that's one thing I thought about. I don't know if Tommy, did you want to say anything? No, I think you, I think we got everything. Cool. Um, Alan, I think we were talking about offensive flaws, but we're kind of just circling around um, the first thing that pops into our head. Did you want to expound upon anything or bring up something new? I mean, I, I do like the fact that, you know, in the first half, Lonzo was pretty much invisible, right? And then the second half, it looks like, I mean, it wasn't just him either. Like we mentioned, it was Brandon as well. Um, just that entire young core unit looked a lot more in sync in the second half, even though we probably lost by more points in the end. Um, <clears throat> but just in terms of cohesion, I think um, halftime, we made some pretty good adjustments for sure. One other thing that stuck out in a negative way, though, to just to flip it right around our after timeout plays dude were pretty freaking horrible in the second half like yeah, how many turnovers. times did we just get yeah exactly turnovers awful looks which may as well be turnovers right um and then even defensively after timeouts we were uh you know just giving up wide open looks wait um, sorry that was Alan. something that was yeah. Didn't it also seem like LeBron, you know, the, the passes that LeBron made tonight off his own dribble looked good, but it seemed like the passes that were implemented as a play, LeBron, they were, they were just off for LeBron. He was like half-assing. I don't know, I don't know if that was the case, but... I think I think some of it's chemistry. The the one behind the back pass to Casey well, that, P that on was the baseline, that's Shaq in a fool, right? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it was hilarious. I mean, LeBron laughed and he like pat himself on the chest because he knew. Um, I mean, those things are we we're gonna have to deal with that. That's the epitome of growing pains, and you know it is what it is. It's kind of a brain fart, but kind of like ah, eh, well, we're all new here, so. Um, but yeah, just again being out of sync in general. Um, but yeah, the ATOs were kind of like, dude, what the hell are we doing? Right. You have a certain expectation after a timeout for things to look good. And then when it goes 180 the other way, that that's a little frustrating no matter what. Yeah, for sure. Okay. Um, so let's just talk about the players a little bit to end this show. Um, one thing that I liked about, you know, in general, what the Lakers are trying to do with having Rondo as a ball handler, having Brandon Ingram take over the offense here and there. Didn't it seem like LeBron was preserved throughout the game? I know he's been on this trip of just, you know, being patient and not just off the court, but on the court as well. But I I felt like LeBron was really able to pick his spots. And at times he was just like, Rondo, you get the ball, you dribble it. Brandon Ingram, you dribble the ball. And I, I don't know, I just like that that balance of, was balanced. of allowing LeBron to re- legitimately play off ball and him actually embracing that role and being able to do other things like get offensive rebounds, get putbacks, cut. And, you know, maybe even if he is the passer, passing it like Lonzo Ball style without necessarily dribbling it, dribbling it and initiating it off his own dribble. Um, so I really like that aspect of things. And, and you saw it in the bursts when LeBron was able to, you know, just take it coast to coast. Uh, he looked just as fast and soared just as high as we've ever seen him before, you know. So the fact that another ball handler or several ball, ball handlers can alleviate him um, in certain stretches, I think, is a good thing and should help increase his longevity um, 
for this season and, and the, the next coming seasons as well. So that was a positive that, that I enjoyed seeing. But um, Tommy, what, what did you like out of what you saw from LeBron James' first official game as a Laker tonight? He had six turnovers, and I think at the end of the day, that comes from just lack of chemistry with his teammates and his team's, teammates not cutting hard enough, not just being able to read where he wants them to go, et cetera, et cetera. But otherwise, what did you think of LeBron? Yeah, I thought overall, I mean, LeBron is LeBron. He's amazing. Um, he shot over four from three. He's actually like quite a good three point shooter, right? He shot like 37% last year on six, five or six attempts a game. So he was making a good amount of threes last year. Um, 1.8. Exactly. So, you know, and, and, uh, the six turnovers, I think at least three of those were just miscommunications. Um, or like, you know, trying to turn up the court, I think at least one, maybe one or two, were turning up the court too fast and like not taking the ball with you. Yeah, and then he screwed um, up the ATO with uh, Lonzo for the lob, which they connected on in preseason, but weren't able to tonight, so. Exactly. So it's like some of that stuff is like you, you can kind of look past it. I, I think it's really interesting because he played 37 minutes, and despite the narrative of like whatever the heck like Charles Barkley was spewing at halftime about how like, oh, you know, this is the problem with the Lakers. Like, every, like they can be competitive, but every uh, for them to be competitive, LeBron has to play so hard every night. I actually feel like he didn't play that hard. You know what I mean? It's like he's that – he's so good. So he scores like – and when I say that, I don't mean like, oh, LeBron wasn't giving 100%. He was definitely giving 100%. I just mean like I don't feel like he was working more than he, mm-hmm. you know, otherwise could have been. He wasn't taxing himself. He wasn't taxing himself. I mean, he was 9 for 12 when you take out his threes. 9 for 12 from the field. And a lot of those were just like <laughs> shots <laughs> in the You didn't game. have to work hard for those at all. Yeah, and like right at the rim baskets. They weren't just like, you know, let me take you one-on-one and use every move in my arsenal. Or let me grab it in the post every single time down and back you down and try to take a fadeaway jumper. Like, he has nights where he can do that kind of stuff, but, like, that's not what he was doing tonight. And I think I honestly you know, kept waiting for it to happen. Like, five, yeah, six dude. minutes left. I was like, all right, here it comes. And I guess he, it never yeah, really I was happened. like, okay, he's going to take over. But that's, like, an interesting thing, right? It's, yeah. it's like, it shows you that, I, I don't know if it's him or him and Luke or this is just the game plan or what, but, it, it, you know, these guys have some foresight that if this thing is going to work this year – you know, whatever. It's game one of an 82-game season on the road at Portland. Maybe now is the best time to, like, experiment with making sure that other guys can do things down the stretch and it's not just the LeBron show because it can become the LeBron show do, at any point you know, this season. You do and, that once and then it just kind of keeps going. Yeah, and it's like he doesn't need practice doing that. You know, he, <laughs> he can go 50 games without doing it, and then they change the game plan, and he's like, okay, and he'll just do it perfectly. Like, you know, he always does. Yeah. No, no, I, I feel like he set, he let the process unfold. And kind of like how you mentioned that he played 37 minutes, and that's a lot, obviously. But I feel like maybe 10, 10 minutes of that 37, he was just out there as sort of safety guard rails for the guys. Because you saw... Whenever he was on the floor, like the young core was a lot more confident, or whoever was on the the court out there, they were confident to initiate their own plays, get the ball moving, set something up. Um, even though LeBron wasn't necessarily the fulcrum with which everything rotated around or, or you know orbited around, you know he was just there just in case. So that's I think that's I, I think. I felt what you were saying in terms of he played 37 minutes, but I feel like a good seven to 10 minutes was just him there in case of emergency and him allowing other guys to get a rhythm and get a flow of things. So Alan, do you have anything to add with regards to LeBron? By the way, that, that drive of his, not even the dunks, which were amazing, but the drive on Zach Collins coast to coast where he flipped it up with his left hand was, was amazing and insane. Just, just how easy it is for LeBron to get these layups where he's running at, 200 miles per hour and then all of a sudden just laying it in with ease and knowing the angles with which to flip them up over guys and under guys arms and stuff is just incredible and you and you know that he can do this whenever he wants to which is i guess the comforting part but uh yeah your thoughts on lebron tonight alan yeah there just there wasn't nearly as much iso lebron as you would have expected considering the fact it was a close game and 
yeah, down the stretch, you figured that would go down like that. Like, who are the guys that isolated the most for us? Like, Lance, Brandon, maybe a little bit in the second half, but not even much. Like, I can't even really think of who was playing ISO ball for us tonight. Like, can you guys really recollect? I, I don't think there was much of it at all, if anything. Yeah, no. Yeah, so um, it, it was like a complete team effort, and um, it, it was just like a, a learning moment, right? And there are a lot of teachable moments in there. And um, as far as other takes on LeBron, I mean, um, yeah, it was just like a different style for sure, and he seemed perfectly comfortable with that. Now, um, yeah, we'll, we'll just kind of see how it goes along. I think Saturday is going to be really interesting, just kind of yeah. build that up because, I mean, like we all said, Houston's going to be pissed because they got blown out by New Orleans unexpectedly. Um, I didn't have an opportunity to watch that game. I watched the highlights and stuff, but hopefully they, they look like trash on Saturday. Um, I mean, if we're at home tonight playing against Portland instead, I think we win. I'm yeah. pretty damn sure yeah, Nick Stauskas, right, win. isn't going to do what he did in Staples Center instead. Um, so we we played enough, played well enough to be in it. Um, am I saying we are going to win Saturday? Am I going to guarantee it? I did before the season started. I said we we're going to start 2-0, so hell yeah, we're going to win on Saturday. Yeah, um, I like that one play in the fourth quarter when LeBron was clearly – trying to tell Rondo where to go, trying to tell B.I. where to go. It was pretty much the play they drew up for the Brandon Ingram three on the baseline. He ended up not hitting it, but that was a sign of chemistry to me and also just another indication of how LeBron and Rondo kind of know how to get in sync on the fly where LeBron cut to the free throw line, LeBron bounced past it to him, and then um, Rondo hit B.I. for the open baseline three. So that was an encouraging sign. Um, Tommy, what did you think of uh, Brandon Ingram's game tonight? Obviously, his three didn't fall. Um, I think three of LeBron's assists were to B.I. off a lot of um, high-low action with him just lofting the ball over for Brandon Ingram to grab with his outstretched arms, and then Brandon Ingram just quickly making a, an offensive move off of that. Um, obviously, he got into a flow in the third quarter when he was allowed to have the ball a little more in his hands and get some energy going and um, you know pound the rock a little, because I do think Brandon Ingram gets a little more confident when he's able to break his man off a little and take it straight to the hole, where in the first half, I felt like a lot of it was strictly off-ball stuff. Um, when he was able to get a rhythm going with his own dribbles and um, taking it coast to coast and whatnot, I felt like he was able to incorporate um, the best versions of him along with all of the off-ball stuff that we started to see in the second half as well between him and LeBron. Um, but what did you think of B.I.? Obviously, the, the story with him tonight is defense, but offensively, what did you think of him? Offensively, I thought he overall looked good. It's interesting because coming into the game... Um, in the preseason, B.I.'s second half effective field goal percentage was so much higher than his first half field goal percentages. And, you know, the narrative was kind of becoming like, oh, well, that's that's the case because of LeBron. And now I'm starting to think, in other words, he does better when Le he's not playing with LeBron at the same time. But the same thing happened again tonight, right? And LeBron played. And so now I'm starting to think he's just like forcing things too much in the first half. Um, he was two for eight in the first half tonight before he went, you know, like five for seven or something in the second half. Mm -hmm. So maybe he's just like, I don't know if he's trying to draw fouls or what he's doing, but it feels like he is forcing it quite a bit, taking like low percentage shots. And I don't know. That's like another thing where I feel like the starters will benefit from Rondo because if you ever listen to, uh, Pete's, uh, like his videos and, and, and his pod and stuff like they, he always talks about um, the fact that even though Lonzo was not a good shooter last year, and we don't know if he's going to be a good shooter, he at least takes such a volume of outside shots that he's a respectable, you know, guy that you have to cover. Mm -hmm. um, Rondo, like Rondo took 13 shots tonight. That's super unusual, right? Like normally he's a super low volume shooter um, against Portland, he feels like pretty lit because of what happened last year, probably. Yeah. But like, you know, he easily could play a game, many games this year, 30 minutes. He only attempts five or four shots, you know? So that's another area where I think Brandon will benefit because there's quite a bit of pressure on him to get his own shots because it's the starting lineup is 
Rondo, who's typically not going to shoot. Caldwell Pope, who can't create his own shot at all. He needs shots created for him. JaVale, kind of the same thing in a different way. And then, you know, you have LeBron. But if B.I. is, like, going to feel like he needs to generate a lot of offense or score a lot of points in the first quarters of games, I don't know that that's going to help his efficiency um, moving forward. I don't know if he necessarily forced things in the first half because a lot of his action was with him really not dribbling the ball. Um, the second half, I felt like he had a little more free reign and license to actually pound the rock a little more. And I think that's when we saw some shots where he just took ill-advised Jays. But for the most part, I did like how whenever LeBron would feed him the ball, he'd pretty much just hoist the shot up right after that. And for the most part, I think he hit a majority of those shots, which is which is what I like. But but yeah, I think it's for whatever reason, it's it yeah, I don't know what what explains Brandon Ingram tonight in terms of not him not getting into a flow of things. But for me, I chalk it up to the fact that he wasn't able to really have the ball in his hands as much or get a feel for things um, in the first half. But I just like knowing that in the second half, in the third quarter, he was able to establish a chemistry with LeBron James. And that's when his field goal percentage rose, you know? Um, but Alan, let's move on to, what did you think of Rajon Rondo? 13, po- 13 points, 11 assists, four rebounds, even hit a three pointer. Uh, really was the floor general through and through with whatever lineup he was out there with. He had the highest plus minus of the night with plus seven, Oh, actually, it's KCP uh, plus eight. Wow. Um, but anyways, Rajon we can Ron, just ignore that. We can ignore that. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Wowie. Um, but yeah, Rajon Rondo plus seven was finding his teammates and probing when he wasn't shooting. When things broke down and there wasn't anything going on, it se- it seemed like Rajon Rondo knew knew what to do in in those moments and. And really, at the end of the day, I think allowed LeBron, took took some pressure off of LeBron as well. So what did you think of Rondo's game tonight? This is Mike from the Almighty Baller Network. It's nice to have a helping hand, especially when it's tax season, and that hand is attached to a licensed tax professional. With TurboTax Live, you can talk to real CPAs and EAs on demand who can review your return with you before you file and to make sure you get your maximum refund. They can even check your work line by line so you can be confident it's done right. Who knew confidence and peace of mind could be synonymous with taxes? TurboTax Live with CPAs and EAs on demand. See details at TurboTax.com. Let TurboTax Live be your helping hand. Visit TurboTax.com today. Yeah, I mean, like you said, floor general, quarterback, whatever you want to call it. Uh, whenever he was out on the floor, definitely felt uh, comfortable watching him. Um, Chris Weber on the telecast highlighted a moment where LeBron was at the free throw line. And uh, Rondo and he had a very brief conversation. Rondo goes around literally telling everybody on the team, um, you know, what the game plan is, essentially, whether it was offensively or defensively. And uh, as far as like who LeBron has played with, who's going to serve in that role. I mean, obviously, I guess you could say in the Heatles days, like, you know, Dwayne Wade, I'm sure did that every now and then and stuff like that. But in the past, like, that's LeBron's job, right? That's like his main thing and now you have a guy like Rondo whose IQ is just as high as LeBron's and um it, it just must be nice when you're the leader of a team to have like a co-pilot right like someone who can shoulder that burden who can offer up um you know their input which is equally as great as yours so you can sense that in the game for sure he as you said he was uh, very aggressive offensively he had a lot of like scoop layups mm-hmm. that were going high off the glass you know where he just recognized that the defense is playing back so he could drive and he's crafty and he's a vet and um he made it work and i i think i mean god if he can be aggressive offensively which obviously opens up the game a guy like lonzo can definitely do that yeah. right um so that was really good to see because there's a lot of preseason games, of course, where Le- uh, Rondo wasn't shooting the ball at all. And that is kind of who he is. Tonight, he understood the circumstances and uh, he adjusted accordingly. So um, 32 minutes is is a lot, though, for him. Um, I don't think we can expect to see that um you know, sustained throughout the season by any stretch. But for a little while right now, as Lonzo um, kind of works his way back into shape and that sort of thing, 
Um, I think we we will be seeing quite a bit of Rondo um, just in terms of his overall minutes. But yeah, obviously it felt really good watching him tonight. Yeah, I think with Rondo, although he doesn't apply pressure with a jump shot, he applies pressure by just being able to pass it anywhere on the court. And so he can catch defenses off guard by all of a sudden taking one quick first step and all of a sudden he's to the rim, you know, because people are watching to see, is Rondo going to bounce, skip past this to someone out of nowhere? Is he going to loft it into the air and lob it to a guy? And while people are waiting around to see what Rondo's going to do with the ball, a lot of times tonight he just took it straight to the basket and scooped it in for a layup, which was nice to see um, him take advantage of. And then defensively, he wasn't bad as well. So... He, he played a lot of, uh, especially at the end there, he had a really nice possession where he denied the, the ball from Damian Lillard and really stuck by his man. And overall, he was like taking charges, you know, he was sacrificing his body out there. I, I really liked what I saw from Rondo just f- from both ends of the court. Um, Tommy, let's move on to Kyle Kuzma. He started off the game really well, actually. He was out of all the young young guys, it seemed like he came in and bang, bang, bang. He was the off-ball cutter. He was making quick, decisive moves and taking really good shots, you know, pretty much as the cutting man. Rondo was able to find him a couple times for some nifty layups. Um, and it kind of looked like for a second, you know, Kyle Kuzma's back. Um, and, and, and overall, I didn't think he played a bad game either. 15 points, 5 rebounds. His shot just wasn't falling at the end of the day. And again, he's still working his way into trying to play up and play this small ball five, which again, I don't think is the best position for him. There there were some times when he was able to strip the ball and he was able to hold his own. But for the most part, again, he's exerting all of his effort on the on this side of uh, the court, trying to learn this new position. And I think it's taking away from him offensively. But at least tonight, I felt like he was able to get his mojo back a little as that off-ball, lethal weapon who who can score in such a variety of ways that our other guys can't really do, you know? So what do you think of Kuzma tonight? Kuzma, yeah, I was really encouraged in the first quarter because he came in off the bench and just was... I think he scored like six super quick points or something. Mm-hmm. Um, and he was cutting and moving off the ball and he looked super... He looked like his old self and he was hitting shots like in the paint like he did last year. I don't know, it's... Kuzma, he needs to hit his threes, you know? It's like, that's not a secret. He shot 30, uh, 36 or 37% as a rookie mm-hmm. from three. And a pretty high volume for a big man. Um, so he, like, that's a big part of his game. If he's not hitting his threes, that's, you know, that, that's a lot of his efficiency, you know? So he wasn't hitting his threes tonight. They did not look horrible. A few of them, it's like, again, game one, it's a one-game sample size, like, over the course of an 82-game season, you're going to have games like this, right? Um, the Lakers could have ended up beating Portland 141 to 103 tonight. And I would have said the same thing. Like, in a, a season of 82 games, you're going to have games like this. That doesn't mean you're the best team in the NBA. And tonight, I, you know, the same thing. It doesn't mean you're the worst team in the NBA or the worst player in the NBA. In the case of Kuzma, like, he just had an off-shooting night. But most of the looks he got were good. Um he still, you know, once in a while will have a questionable shot selection, but most of those shots are shots that he should be taking. You know, he shot one for seven tonight. Let's say he shoots his relatively normal three for seven. All of a sudden he has 21 points and his line looks a lot better. So I, I, I think that uh, that he played okay, um, but we'll, we'll see how... Uh, we we'll see how he how he looks after a bigger sample size, given that he's so dependent on uh, jump shots. Yeah, I still don't think he's being utilized correctly. But anyways, um, Allen, Josh. Well, okay, before Josh Hart, let's talk about Lonzo Ball. Only played 19 minutes, um, seven points, four rebounds, one assist, one steal. I think you felt his presence the most uh, when he was wreaking havoc on defense, um, slapping balls away, getting the uh, outlet started, getting transition started. And it was very encouraging to see him hit that, you know, fourth quarter three-point shot. Pretty much just uh, LeBron was about to set a screen for him, and he just kind of, he didn't wave it off, but he was like, ah, I'm just going to shoot this three. Hit it very calmly, and then most of all, his free throw shooting looked very nice today. Very nice and fluid, two for two. Um, but for the most part, before that sequence, um, he was kind of invisible during his first stint with that bench unit. Um, but what did you think overall of Lonzo Ball as he continues to try and gain his bearings here? 
Yeah, first half, like I said, and like you just said, he was invisible. Um, he's just playing his way in, you know, uh, trying to get a feel for things. And he was out there with Lance at the same time, and he was deferring to Lance quite a bit and just kind of anybody else really wasn't taking much charge. And I'm sure halftime, there are a lot of conversations telling him, like, hey, like, you know, do what you do. Three-pointer was extremely impressive. But like you said, most importantly, most of all, those two free throws were freaking beautiful, man. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> I was really, really excited when he got, he drew that foul and went to the line. I was like, oh, God, like, let, let's see what happens here. And um, it was like irrational excitement, but at the same time, it, it really isn't. I mean, that's what he worked on this offseason, clearly. And uh, it's two for two. It's not like eight for eight or something like that. But the fact that it looked exactly like what we saw during those you know off-season videos and preseason he replicated it from the line so that's very very promising um as you said defensively he did what he does i mean i i wish he'd been out there more minutes just to guard damian lillard mm-hmm. um pete posted a compilation of damian lillard isolation possessions last season And it was like every single ISO (laughs) that Damian had against the Lakers last year. And Pete was like, do you guys notice a pattern here? It was pretty much every time Lonzo was guarding him, he missed. And anytime it was anybody else, even if it's Brandon Ingram with his length and all that, like he was making it. So Lonzo is able to get under guys jerseys and, and disrupt and bother them and pressure them with his lateral quickness and his length and more, almost more than anything, like just his instincts, right? He's a ball hawk. So um, I wish he'd been out there maybe four or five more minutes tonight just to disrupt um, Portland defense on the defensive end. But um, yeah, that and the free throws, <laughs> that's what I really liked about tonight. I'm hoping on Saturday he doesn't have to um, like build up that momentum, right? And if he does, let's let's hope he can do it really, really quickly. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, he had that one play where he was about to post up um, Seth oh, yeah, Curry. Yeah, yeah. I'm sad that that play got cut short. I think he was fouled, but I was like, oh, no, I want to see what happens. You know, if that added strength in the offseason actually pays off and he can actually show some skill down yeah, there yeah. and, you know, bully his way into like an effective shot. Because I think two or three plays prior, he tried to drive it into the lane and then he, you know, weak attempt and he gets it blocked. But for him to try and size uh, Seth Curry up and take him down low, I was interested in seeing whether he can actually, you know, post him up and, and do something. But uh, hopefully we'll see more of that um, in the coming games or so. Um, Tommy, let's talk about the young core MVP of tonight, Josh Hart. 20 points, 8 for 12, 3 of 5 from 3. Pretty much Jason Fart. <laughs> Jason Fart, what? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, three of five from three. He hit the first three pointer of the night for the Lakers. Four rebounds, one assist, three steals, two blocks. Defensively, offensively, Josh Hart did everything. He had one nasty block, and I, for, I forgot who drove it into. The, I think it was Damian Lillard, CJ McCollum, and uh, Josh Hart pretty much just pinned it to the glass or pinned it below the the stanchion. And man, what what a what a tank! What a freight train! I think several of his uh, layups could have been and ones and probably should have been and ones. He was just taking it to people's bodies and finishing it with such an adeptness that I don't think I've ever, it's, it's uncanny how good of a finisher this guy is and how it seems like his finishing ability amplifies when he hits guys bodies, you know, which is insane. But most of all, even just the shooting and the confidence that he had in the fourth quarter, he seemed like, the veteran dude that LeBron's been playing with all this time, you know? Um, and I guess that goes to show, you know, Villanova, Josh Hart, this, he's not a stranger to big moments and big situations, but yeah. What did you think of Josh Hart tonight? Josh Hart, obviously he looked amazing. Um, everything that we saw in the summer league, there were some games in the preseason where, you know, that didn't really show. And then you kind of got the thought of like, Oh, well maybe now it's, we're back in the regular season. So competition's a little bit higher and or sorry the preseason so competition's a little bit higher so he doesn't look quite as good but he just looked good at everything tonight I mean he had a he had two turnovers so there was a couple plays where he drove into the paint a little bit out of control um but overall like you said his numbers and efficiency across the board were were really really good his defense was really really good I just think that you know, whether or not they end up starting KCP for the rest of the year. Um, nah. Because I don't think, like, yeah, I mean, most likely no, right? But 
I don't think KCP... I mean, KCP is obviously not as bad as he looked tonight. But the thing is, KCP, we had him all last year. Like, he has games like this, you know, where he just plays 27 minutes, only has three shot attempts, and scores five points. Like, I know he brings certain things defensively and, and this and that, but he he has games like this once in a while. And Josh Hart, it just feels like is always giving you something, even if his his offense is not there, which I think his offense it, granted he's young he's in he's like at a young point in his career, but I think his offense he's proven to be at least as consistent, if not more consistent than KCP. And his defense is always there too, but he's like young, he brings some energy. He's much, much stronger and willing to play with physical contact than KCP is. Um so he there's just so many benefits that I think He'll probably overtake KCP pretty soon, but part of me wants him to stay on the bench because him and Kuzma off the bench is like a pretty lethal scoring uh, duo. Although, you know, as long as he ends up, Josh Hart plays uh, more minutes than KCP, I think that's all that really matters. Yeah, I, I just think he puts so much pressure on the defense, on the opposing team's defense, especially in transition, because he just, he is so lethal taking it down the lane and taking into into guys' bodies and still being able to finish. I, I've mentioned this before. It sounds crazy, but he's like a poor man's version of Derrick Rose in his prime because of the, just the compact body, how strong he is and how he's able to finish. And he just keeps defenses on, his, on, on their heels. And I don't think KCP can do that in terms of just handling the ball coast to coast, ramming it down the opposing team's throats. It's, it's, it's really a sight to watch. Um, Alan, to close the shot, do you have any other thoughts on Josh Hart? He just looks really poised, you know, like he knows yes, his role, um, doesn't get in his own head, doesn't try to do too much. Um, but yeah, he just looks extremely comfortable out there. So he, yeah, he, he's going to be a very reliable option for us. Yep. Okay. So with that said, first game's done. LeBron James, what an exciting um, introduction to what's to come. You know, I mentioned it on Twitter we're not about moral victories here, but at the same time, especially for the first game and against Portland, no less, we're going to use that phrase. We saw some flashes tonight, you know? <laughs> Can I add one thing that I just saw on Twitter? Absolutely. Go so ahead. Adam from all, I don't know if I'm uh, pronouncing his last name correctly. You guys might've seen this, but um, the fastest paced game of LeBron James's career occurred tonight. Ooh. <laughs> 113.5. <laughs> His second fastest game was this past year against Phoenix on March 13th, 113.1. And then prior to that, 2017, January 6th against Brooklyn, 109.3. So tonight was the fastest paced game of LeBron James's entire career. That's amazing. And he fits game one. right in. <laughs> he fits right in with that pace and just pushing it and ramming it down defense's throats. And obviously he's the best finisher on this team. So... Even with that said, I still feel like he played at eighty percent. You know, he he allowed the pro he let the the process unfold. Um, the guys are are fighting through their growing pains. I'm glad that just they just kept shooting at the end there. And uh, Saturday will be very interesting against an even more lethal, potent offensive Houston Rockets team that is uh, obviously very mad that they lost to the New Orleans Pelicans. So there's going to be so are we. Grr. <laughs> Yeah, hopefully. Um, so we'll see that that should be. Well, what's the score going to be like? One thirty to one twenty-five or something. I mean, it's going to be all-star game. Yeah, no, but but tonight was fun, man. LeBron James, those first two dunks that we saw. Tommy, the outro us out with your last words on on this game and just getting life. LeBron and life and LeBron's first game as a Laker in the in the books here. Yeah, it's just, like you said, I think you summed it up well with the flashes comment. Um, you you saw flashes tonight of what this team, I think, is ultimately going to be. It's a bummer that we lost because, you know, there's all this excitement and build up into LeBron's first game. But more important is we're seeing the general trends and we're, we're, we got a little indication tonight that what we're trying to do is going to work. Um Next game Saturday, home opener. I know Houston just lost a disappointing game in their own home home opener, but I just think we match up pretty well against them. And, you know, young guys always play in every sport. Young guys always play better at home. So, 
you know, that's going to help uh, Kuzma and Ingram and Lonzo, I think, even more. Um, and LeBron is going to be LeBron, so and the vets are going to be the vets. So uh, looking forward to Saturday and, and seeing how they improve. Absolutely. With that said, please follow us on Twitter at Lakers Legacy Pod. Please also rate and review us on iTunes because the more you rate and review us, that's how many times Lakers players will sacrifice their body, hit the floor, stay down, and wait for their brothers to come and pick them back up. <laughs> <laughs> Even if the game is in play. <laughs> <Exactly>. <laughs> Rondo hit the floor pretty badly in the first uh, first half, and nobody came to help him he's up. Wait, so obviously, waiting, dude. that's a conditional statement, but uh, rightfully so. Um, <laughs> with that said, we'll catch you guys next time, and hopefully we get a win um, against Houston. But yeah, uh, catch you guys later. Is it lit? It's lit. Yeah, it's lit. lit. Cool. All right, Alan, see ya. Go Dodgers. Go Dodgers. <laughs>